In the spring of 2021, Mickey Weems was diagnosed with stage 4 prostate cancer and was given 6 to 12 months to live. This episode was recorded in May of 2022. My name is Donna Blanchard. While we recognize that Mickey is dying, we'd like to welcome you to another day of his life. Hello, Mickey Weems. Aloha. Uh, What emotions are you feeling right now? I am feeling pretty wonderful because since the last time we spoke, I have received four four episodes, (laughs) the first four episodes of the podcast, and I've listened to them. And I'm very entertained. <laughs> oh, good! They are you, 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 you three have worked your magic on them, and they sound really, really good. I'm, I'm very happy with them. You, you all are making me look really, really good. I'm, 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 I'm becoming an idealized form of myself. <laughs> nice. Which is kind of oh, it's kind of, it's kind of nice, you know. Yeah, I, uh, I'm glad you think so, and. Uh, this is a part of the podcast world that we're um, recording, uh, wanted to get a certain body of work before we start releasing, um, and just finished editing the first four episodes last week. And I, I have to say, I'm pretty doggone proud of what we're doing here. I think it's important, and I think it is unique, and I think it's going to help a lot of people, and I know that has already helped me a great deal. So even if we're just doing this for ourselves, I still think it's worth it having no idea how this is going to come to or affect other people. Uh, I do want to say, add on to that, that I talked about it. um, James and Susan and I were in a conversation with Sarah, our office manager at the theater. And um, Sarah's not interested in listening. And she she's just not that comfortable talking about death. And I hope I understand that. I hope that people who have that reservation will give it a shot because it's it's really refreshing. It's good conversation, but I also feel that it is when are most of us ever going to have an opportunity to have these conversations or hear this conversation with someone in your position, Mickey, you know, probably Mm -hmm. maybe not ever. Uh, People in my family have a tendency to die suddenly. Uh, So I've never been able to have these conversations. I'm, I'm so grateful. Well, that's been the two options. Um, One is that the person is, is gone on accident which is really, really bad because you keep on thinking, what could I have said to them? There was so much we should have discussed. And then you guilt yourself because you feel like you weren't there for them when they were around. Um, The second is the slow death, um, the kind of death that I'm going through, uh, that uh, people are fighting it. So they're not really, the last thing on their mind is to talk about their last days because they're they're thinking, okay, I'm going to beat this. I'm going to go through this chemo or whatever else they're going through. And they're dealing with some pretty substantial bodily um, shifts, which can be debilitating. And maybe they don't want to talk. Maybe they're not in the best of moods. You're not really seeing the best side of them a lot of times, you know, and we all know that they don't mean it. But that can be really tough as well. So that by the time you get to that moment, 
where you can have these really, really good conversations, such as myself and my father and my mother, there, um, there's, it's a very, very narrow window because that's usually just before they go. Yeah. If you're lucky enough for it to happen. So yeah, so we, what we have here is a, a, by no design of our own. It just happened to happen to be this way. Um, we have a pretty cool situation so far as I know that, that I'm able to, um, I'm sure I'm not the only one, but that people like me are able to, um, to start to uh, maybe, maybe make into custom, maybe make into uh, a way of doing things that can be um, regulated, you know, become regular, become normal. Yeah. Right now, this podcast is pretty abnormal. <laughs> I think so too. Uh, yeah. I agree. And, um, you know, uh, I, there are traditions where you send someone off on an ice flow when it, <laughs> you know, it's, it's their time or it's believed that it's their time. And I, I don't, I don't know enough about those traditions to know if there are meaningful conversations that happen beforehand, but, um, I know that I have never heard of anything like what we're doing. Uh, and I think we're really lucky. I'm watching Mickey play with Kit Kat right now. <laughs> Kit Kat is envious. Kit Kat wants my attention. I'm talking to you and she's not having it. Uh, Calm down. <laughs> she gets plenty of time with you later. Yep. I just, uh, I just have to like basically keep my hands to myself for a little while. <laughs> it's nice. She's popping in on the screen. So, um, Mickey, we um, you, you have mentioned before the amount of time that you may have left and how how you are feeling about what the doctors have said, how that has shifted. Um, what is your gut feeling for how much time you have left? My gut feeling is trust. And I leave the amount of time to... Uh, uh, to powers that are beyond my control. Uh, they've been pretty good about taking care of me. So I'll, I'll continue trusting them, them in the way that, 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 that they have been. Um, with the way that things have been going, are, are just fine to me. Um, the doctor said uh, in April that I had six months, and it's May now, so five months. I have a feeling that it'll be further. I am optimistic that there's a possibility i could be here in january which would be for me if, if that's it then that's fine and then i think by then i'll be ready to go 100 percent ready to go but um right now for what dr okazaki has been telling me this is moving so slowly that um whatever i'm doing in terms of dancing and lifting weights and conversing with people and keeping myself busy has been working Okay. And uh, yeah, I mean, we've been working on this for a little while and I certainly don't see any decline. I, I, I know you mentioned at one point in the recording that you were taking naps a little more frequently, but um, you are certainly very present with us and that has not changed and your energy there, there've been times when we're recording when I think the three of us are, spent and i can tell you have another episode in you <laughs> but mm. <laughs> you have more energy than we do sometimes um, well i got the easy part i can just blabber 
<laughs> yeah, but you have to bl- blabber coherently and, um, you know, uh, I, you're, I, you've, you've always been long before you had cancer. You've always been someone who is so very present that this is, this is what I would have told anyone asking me, you know, Mickey Weems. Yeah. What's one thing you can tell me about him. He is 100% present when he's with you. He is with you. And um, that's kind of magical. A lot of people can't do that. So I, speaking of you, (laughs) you sent a little checklist of ideas that you had in between our uh, recording um, days, Uh, sent a little checklist of some items that we might want to bring up in conversation. And some of these, uh, I'm very curious as to where you would want to go with them. So if you don't mind, I'm going to refresh your memory. The first subject, the the first checkbox you have is whacking, jacking, shenanigans, and voguing. What is that all about, Mickey? Um, that has to do with an academic work that I did that I put on, is it academia.com? One of the sites where you just say, I'm not going to worry about publishing it. I'm just going to put it out there. People can read it if they want. I don't oh. want royalties. Here, this is for the public domain. It was written by myself and Chris Davis. Chris Davis is a beautiful man, physically, slim, muscular, um, the color of, of, of fine chocolate. He is um, a dancer. He's very, very good at what he does. He's been on Broadway. He's a, a, a phenomenal person. Um, I think he was with Alvin Ailey. I'm not 100% for sure. But he, he's, he's been with major schools in New York City. Um, he helped me with getting this together because what it was, I was looking at dance, folk dance, people pet dance that people do in America, um, and its intersection with classical dance, particularly when it deals with, uh, with queer people. And there's a full history of it, and usually it involves queer people of color, usually people who are African-American. And it goes back, it goes way back. In, in the early, in, sorry. That them inspiring uh, American traditional folk dancing? Yeah. Uh, so by folk oh. dancing, I, I don't mean like doing like, you know, um, um, square dancing. This is just the dance that people do. Vernacular dancing would be another term for it. So, so it's, not, it's not traditional folk dancing that you go, you know, to like the Elks Club or something and, the, and they're going to have a hoedown. This is, um, well, I'll, I'll give you some descriptions. So far as we know, there was some, there, there was a time. Well, let's, let's get started with when, um, in order for these dances to start, they had to have been recorded. Because once they were rec- recorded, they could go past the color line. Dances that were done by African-Americans were only able to make it into the general population by means of minstrel shows. You're familiar with those mm-hmm. white people acting like black people, yeah. And so some of the dances would make it through. However, it was white people acting like black people, and a lot of times it was to lampoon them. So you're not really getting the dance. What you're getting is a facsimile of it, and a lot of times inferior. Mm-hmm. But when recording came through, and all of a sudden you could hear the music, and the music was ragtime at the time. 
then you could see the dance that was a whole other level um and there was a danger of of black people performing that in front of white people particularly black men because they might become attractive and that could get them killed if these black dance, you don't know how it is if you're a star in music if you're a star in dance and you're a man a lot of times that opens the gate towards all kinds of sexual offers and for black men that was dangerous mm-hmm. if a white woman was going to uh, take them up on it imagine it was all equally dangerous if a white man were going to take them up on it. black women the same sort of thing so once that was no say it would be filmed once the music could be recorded and people could dance to it then you get this this explosion of dances in the early 1900s late 1800s and early 1900s you get animal dances where people are doing moves like like an animal would and they're dancing around and they're no longer holding hands they're no longer like couple dancing they're dancing facing each other but sometimes they're even doing two different dances at the same time so these innovations were coming there was a loosening up there was a there was a fun aspect of it um and they were called modern dances but then the more classical minded people said no 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 modern dancing isn't isn't this it's not and the implications were that that these these dances coming out of, of the communities were jungle you know the racist implications were coming with them mm-hmm. and so their ideal was greek now, yes we were looking to the greeks um that didn't stop the vernacular dances from getting better and better and better um music was improving and then in 1969 three really important things happened to change the change the world first one was the moonshot the entire world watched human beings go to the moon and come back. They saw humans standing on the moon. That changed the way we perceived ourselves as a species. That was hugely important. That brought us together. And I, I just want to add to that. I was in kindergarten and the whole school, everyone got a TV in their classroom. The whole world with access to televisions watched that at the same time. Yep. We were all watching it. We, well, we all saw it live. Well, it's live as you can get it because there's a delay since it's coming from the moon. Yeah. But yeah, um, that, that, was, that was a unifying moment. Um, the second thing was um, Woodstock. Oh. The festival yeah. in New York that wasn't supposed to happen, that the police were going to raid and take it down. There were so many people that went that the police officers were afraid to do anything about it. They let it go. It functioned on its own. It was messy. It was dirty. It had serious problems. There were people getting sick. There were issues, but people got together and made it work and were dancing and singing and just having a very, very big time. And so when you say Woodstock today, immediately you think of this massive, massive festival where people were getting along. That comes back to the communitas thing. When you get together in conditions and you drop all status difference. When you're dancing around in the mud with somebody and they may be a millionaire and you may be a bum, it's not going to matter. You're, gonna, you're, you're just two people dancing in mud. Okay, and having fun and doing whatever you're doing, all the extracurriculars that were going with Woodstock, all of that. Um, the third thing was happening a few miles away, and that was uh, um, what's the name of it? Um, Cuba, the Stonewall. Oh, Stonewall. Stonewall was a bar in New York City that was queer. That anybody doing anything could pretty much go there. The CD bar, it was, it was not legal, and they were bribing the police to let it keep on going. 
Well, one day the police decided to raid it. And when they did, the queers in there decided they were going to fight back. That led to a huge, huge sensation because people were scandalized. Queers aren't supposed to fight back. Queers are supposed to go, oh, oh I'm weak. Yeah. Uh, but they did. They fought back. There were, there were women in drag throwing stuff at the police. The funniest thing they were throwing at them was coins. They would throw coins at them and say, oh, you would need bribery money? You get hit by a quarter. That hurts. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, um, there were other queens that would line up in front of the police barricades and do the can-can. Really? Yep. And while they were doing the can-can, they were singing. We are the Stonewall girls. We wear our hair in curls. Let's see. We wear no underwear. We show our pubic hair. Yeah, that, that's, that's all part of the historical record. Those three events caused a big shift in how humanity perceives itself. When Stonewall hit, then gay bars started opening legally in New York City. When that happened, then you get the development of what was eventually going to become house music. That's when it first starts. Oh. It starts with disco. Yeah. You know, disco is queer at its roots in case anybody doubts it. <laughs> um, but also there came certain dances with that. And they, they came, a lot of them came through Soul Train. And this is where I talk with my buddy, Eric Red, who is a music artist um, right now. He was a Soul Train dancer. For those of you who didn't know Soul Train, it was a show during my youth that would come on Saturday afternoons and it would feature the it would feature dancers, African American young people from Hollywood, from LA, that would come in and dance, and that was the show. And it was so what was going on in the African American community was so innovative and so different for the rest of the community that wasn't watching, that would that never been to a, 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 an African American dance, that people were fascinated. I watched it religiously. I was copying the moves. I was doing the whole bit. Yeah. Um, as were my friends. I learned a lot from it. And I, at least in the Chicago market, on Saturday mornings, you had cartoons and then American, and you could only watch cartoons on Saturday morning, by the way. This yeah. is the only time this stuff happened. There was no syndication. Then American Bandstand, which is a bunch of white kids for the most part dancing, and then Soul Train. And I remember growing up in my, I mean, I grew up in the Chicago market, but basically Mayberry, a little farm town. I had never heard that music before. I had never seen those moves before. And it was wildly different than the homogenized pop top 40s that we were accustomed to seeing. Mm -hmm. And um, the man who started it, his name was Don Cornelius. He was a, you're going to love this, Donna. He was a he was a Chicago police officer. I didn't know that. And a Marine. Don Cornelius. Raw. <laughs> Go brother. One of my Marine Corps brothers started Soul Train. And um, he, um, he started in Chicago, syndicated it. When, when he went to L.A., it became national. Um, it took him a long while to get there. But he did it. Um, very, 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 very proud of that man and what yeah. he did. I wish you love, peace, and soul. And soul. The soul yeah. train. <laughs> it, it was unabashedly black. 
it, yeah. was, it was it was it was it was it was it was black velvet it was it was it was beautiful and um they would have something called the soul train line which comes from a really really um, this tradition goes back to this pre-civil war pre-civil war the cakewalk have you ever heard of it uh-huh i've done it okay. <laughs> cakewalk is you form and, and the way that we do it now i don't know how you got if you if you talk to an historian to find out about how its origins were but it was done in imitation of of courtly dance and the courtly procession mm. so the, those courtly processions that were being being done in france and in england the aristocracy in america were doing them as well in the south and so the 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 and the people, the, the slaves that were watching the white folk do these courtly dances would make fun of them with their high stepping and their heads back. And so they, they, they would do it and just laugh. Well, the masters saw them doing this. And the masters thought it was immensely hilarious. And so they encouraged them to do it. Oh. And from that, you'd get a row of people two sides and in the middle they would process and do a step yeah their thing that, yeah and that was what they did in soul train with the soul train line had uh, two rows people facing each other get and whoever's at the very end that that couple that man and woman would then do their dance down between everybody and the next ones would do the same thing after that and of course all this is being captured by the camera but this is this is old old yeah. So no, yeah. And it still happens at every wedding reception in my family. It's fun. <laughs> it's fun. It gives you a chance to show out. Everybody gets the yeah, gets to do their move and go down the line. Mm-hmm. And you get to laugh at them. And yeah. they get to laugh at themselves. Oh yeah. It's, it's, it's good fun. Um that is when we start seeing distinctly queer moves. Because a significant portion of the soul trained dancers were queer. Mm. and don cornelius did not care what he wanted was he wanted to show that people would watch he wanted to showcase african-american dance so they came out with a dance called whacking whacking w-h-a-a-c-k-i-n-g whacking okay we we're really limited on time can you tell us quickly or should we go to the next episode for that just go to the next episode. And okay. Trying to watch on the squat on the screen. I, don't do it. <laughs> uh, I, I love the amount of information that you have for us and learning about that. And, and we don't always have to talk about that, <laughs> you know, and preparation for that. Thank you, Mickey. We'll talk to you soon. All righty. <laughs> Bye. I'm Donna Blanchard. James Charisma is our producer. Susan Wright is our content advisor, PR agent, and support team member. Music generously donated by Kainani Kahaunaele from her Hoku Award-winning album, Waipunale. We're all here to support our friend Mickey and help him help all of us to learn about living while dying. <laughs>